fudge dice roll has to be gaming with teenagers one to ten and you roll a nine that's fudged what would you have done if you'd have rolled a one Welcome to Roleplay Rescue's Game Master's Journal. My name is Che Webster and I'll be taking you behind the scenes of my own Game Master journey. Each episode features my audio notes recorded here and there between my gaming sessions. Assembled into a rough edit, these notes form a journal and let you take a peek behind the GM screen. The journal is raw and rough and not everyone's cup of tea, but you have been warned. Well, there's fighting talk for you. Shandy Andy, thanks for calling in. Um, brilliant to hear from you. And by the way, guys, if you don't know, Shandy's got his own podcast. Um, so I think I'll witter on about it later. But yeah, great stuff. Um, fighting talk there, mate. Um, I had 10 things. I rolled. It was a nine. Oh, how dare you? How dare you? Shay, Shandy Andy here. Great session last night. I can't help saying I think you made the right decision running some dungeon fantasy. I was secretly hoping you were going to take the plunge and try out GURPS for our little group. And I think Ian and Dave and certainly myself really enjoyed it as a system. I'm more than happy to play GURPS in our campaign starting in September, if that's the way you want to go. Uh, have a chat with Dave and Ian about it, but if that's what you really want to play, I'm right there with you. Hey, Jay. Uh, great to see you uh, going with your instincts and it paying off. Lovely stuff. Um yeah, I'd like to see more of that in future. Keep up the good work. Encouraging words there from Shandy Andy and, of course, the wonderful Free Thrall, also known as Spencer. Both people I respect and game with right now as well. Uh, Spencer and I are gaming up on Rollgate with my mate Derek and Andy's at my gaming table on Friday. But as you hear, people seem to like it when I go with my gut. And yeah... Oh, I've got my teeth into GURPS now. I'm really getting into it and going for it. Um, this week has still been the tail end of work, but oh, holidays come in and I'm really looking forward to getting my, my teeth firmly into both my setting and the system. So thanks, lads. Really encouraging to hear from you. And um, oh, wait a minute, what's this? Another one from Andy? Shay, Shandy Andy again. Just been listening to your... Um... GM Journal on um, the Patreon this morning. Don't get too hung up about me being uh, really into fantasy genre. Yeah, sure, if I was put on a desert island and saying you can only ever play one genre from now on, I'd pick fantasy. But bear in mind, I've been playing in a post-apocalyptic aftermath campaign for 25 years, uh, and that's still ongoing, so I enjoy that sort of thing. H.P. Lovecraft's my favourite author, so I love Call of Cthulhu horror um, style, you know, mystery 
um, genre as well. So um, I, I'm fine with mashing it up. Um, just throw me the odd uh, bone in the font in the fantasy genre once in a while, and I'll be happy as Larry. Well, what can I say, Andy? Uh, duly noted. <laughs> no, seriously, mate. Thanks for that. It's encouraging. It really is. Anyway, should we get on with the old uh, journal? Game on. So it's Sunday. It's a brand new morning. The start of your new campaign, Mr. Webster. I got up early this morning. Um, yesterday I was pretty paralysed, actually. I was quite I was quite tired, to be fair. A really rough week and a late night, and I hadn't slept well. Um, but I was very much kind of paralysed with what to do, how to do things. Da, 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 da. This morning I got up, and as I do very often, I use my blog to work out my thinking. And in writing a, a blog post, I made a couple of the decisions, which I think were very much mostly made. And the first decision is that I'm I'm choosing the dungeon fantasy um, GURPS material over the dungeon fantasy role playing game uh, for long term reasons, really, because the full GURPS game system is what I want for my multi genre game. Yes, our campaign is dying absolutely in a fantasy world and it's going to be using the dungeon fantasy stuff as a baseline. But longer term, I need to know that I can use anything from GURPS and it's not going to be any kind of conflict or clash of rules. So that's a key decision. It's a big decision because it means there's a lot for me to learn and a lot for my players to learn over time, I guess. But we'll start small because what I plan to do is to very much start with a dungeon a fantasy kind of game and only slowly introduce other elements. Um, second decision was to stay with my Kovnia, to stay with the newly minted campaign world that I was planning on playing with anyway. Adventures in Palantia. All I'm going to do is shift from using Gods and Crusades um, to using GURPS. Uh, that is the soul change. And and whilst I'd been playing around with you know, being a bit more historical, maybe even going to historical Britain and things like that, um, there was nothing stopping me taking our campaign to those kinds of places in the future. But I think that I need to keep things simple. And as I've already built a, um, a map, and I already have... 30, 40, 50 different locations on that map. It seems to me sort of silly to throw that away and start again. So those are the two key decisions. And it's so liberating. It feels good. It feels really powerful to be able to now sit down and go right you now and stop populating things with, um, you know, uh, dungeons and adventures and all that stuff. So I'm just really chuffed. And whilst, you know, the chores today are just getting finished off, it was really on my heart and on my mind to say something and record this so that, you know, we know what we're doing. So hopefully today I'm going to find some time to start working on that. If not, it's fine because school breaks up on Wednesday and I've got then five weeks to get ready. And boy, am I excited. Game on. Hey, Monday morning. Sitting in the car before going in. I guess podcasters always have to do car stuff. Um, yeah, we had a really restful weekend, actually. Um, Deb and I are both really tired, and uh, there's a lot of rubbish going off at her workplace, so I'm spending a lot of my time trying to just be supportive. Read a lot of stuff from um, Gerb's Dungeon Fantasy yesterday. 
I also made a list. I made a list of all of the things that I'd like to kind of get done over the next couple of days and weeks in terms of the campaign. And that was kind of cool. Helps focus me on a sequence of actions, really. Uh, that mostly revolving around making sure I've got um, the tools I need for the various game structures that I want to use, most notably the dungeon crawl and the hex crawl. I believe that pretty much all of that stuff um, is there. It's just a matter of kind of making sure it fits well with GURPS. I'd like to make all my tables 3D6 tables or D6-based tables so I don't have to mess around with um, polyhedrals. But hey, easy stuff, really. So yeah, it's a couple of days, two, three days to the end of the term now, and um, that feels kind of good. We're at that out of, you know, out of energy, running on fumes kind of moment. But that's all right. I uh, have pretty busy days in a lot of ways, so I think it's going to sort of motorbike. Tomorrow night is, in theory, the last school session. I have a feeling that um, that might be poorly attended or even not attended, simply because it's like pretty much the end of term. Um, kids get flaky like I do. <laughs> so, come Wednesday afternoon, I'll be free and. We've got about sort of four or five weeks of uh, time to work on a campaign, so I've just got to be really disciplined about that. I've also got to work on the podcast, so you know there's a lot of energy going to be expended over those weeks on creative arts. But I've got to be really focused. I have to um, be really disciplined about it. I think what I'll do is what I what I have tended not to do in the past. Um, I always get up with my wife really early. She tends to go to work about 6 a.m., and um, I'm going to use the time, so when she goes to work, use that morning when I have the most energy and the most um, kind of creative edge, I suppose, is first thing in the morning and then early evening um, we're talking. If I can be awake and not too tired, then sort of six, seven, eight o'clock is a good time for me too. But I have to be tucked up in bed by about 9, 30, 10 p.m. because we're up at like quarter to five. So I'm going to try and uh, use that morning energy um, and spend, that'll mean I'll have some quality time on my hobby, um, whether it be podcast or prepping for game, or a bit of both. And uh, that means I can then use my energy in the evening with Deb and make sure she's okay and support her through the horrible time she's going through at work at the moment. So anyway, that's the plan. We'll see what happens come Wednesday. Hey, it's Tuesday morning. I'm feeling pretty energised. Um, I guess it helps that it's a bright sunny day. Um, and I slept, uh, albeit dream-filled and somewhat sticky night. It's been very hot here at the moment. Um, UK, where I'm at, we're looking at um, somewhere in the region of 29, 30 degrees um, yesterday. And it looks like the same today, really, is what we're aiming for. Um, you know, it's like six in the morning and it's already about 17 degrees, 18 degrees. Um, but nonetheless, I'm feeling quite energised. I, uh, Deb went on the, into work on the uh, tram this morning and so I, I had a little time before I headed out and I was reading, um, Dungeon Fantasy, uh, book four, booklet four. Uh, for those who don't know, I take the PDFs and I have them printed up into little, um, uh, you know, staple-bound um, booklets, uh, an A4, which is absolutely awesome in black and white, and they're just lovely. 
Um, a bit of a card cover on it and nice, some nice 130 GSM stock or whatever, 120 GSM stock inside and it's nice. Anyway, reading number four this morning, which is Sages, and I got quite inspired. There's uh, there's two kind of new templates for characters. There's an Artificer and there's a Scholar. And the Artificer is using and the GURPS rules for gizmos, which, you know, basically is the ability to sort of pull random stuff out of your pack or quickly jury-rig together something needed in the party, which I found hilarious and, and lots of fun reading about that. And also the Scholar, which... Um, is you know the guy who would normally be the sage in the village, but who's decided to go out there and sort of lugs his books around and can kind of temporarily learn things um, that out of books and stuff. And in there, there's this lovely bit on actually books and like sort of how they work, how they could work, and I found it really inspiring. There's also a section on scrolls and a section on um, kind of maps and stuff like that, and it was just absolutely great because you start thinking this stuff is the treasure you're going to put in your dungeons. And to some players, if a player is playing a scholar, that thing becomes really, really important. But actually, you know, otherwise it's just a valuable book or a valuable map or whatever. Um, but actually, the, the system there, the, the, the sort of rules of it around it sort of support uh, what happens if somebody tries to use it. And I like that. It, it means I don't have to wing all that stuff. Um, and it, it's really inspiring me to like, start thinking about what things I want to put in 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 adventures and in dungeons, you know, and even have quests for these things, because even if no player plays a scholar, for example, no player plays an artificer, bits of gear or books or whatever suddenly become the things that those guys in the world would want. And, you know, obviously they may not choose to go out themselves doing adventures. So that's awesome. I really like that. I'm really excited by that. Um, I was also um, thinking a lot about the use of the, the templates in Henchman, a book 15, a Dungeon Fantasy 15 is called Henchman, but it contains some 62-point templates and 125-point templates. Now, if you think about it, if a 250-point template for the main adventurer's book, that's your character, basic character um, in, in Dungeon Fantasy is very, very much uh, more capable then perhaps I'm used to in, in my old school sensibilities. Uh, so 250 point character, somewhere between 5th and 8th level in D&D terms, I guess, in classic D&D terms. Um, halving that, you know, we get down to a sort of, what are we talking, 2nd, 3rd, maybe 4th level character, so on, 2nd or 3rd level character. And obviously the 62 point um, template is probably level 1-ish. Um, level zero, level one, and um, I like that, and I think my players, we, we talked the other night about maybe using 125 as a good starting point, playing with 250s in the, um, 250 point characters in the adventure on Friday night, the guys were going, wow, we're really good, we're like, we're almost too good, and we, I think, have that old school sensibility where we want to kind of earn that level of power and, com and competence, and well, it was a lot of fun, <laughs> especially for the one shot, um, I especially remember Ian was having a lot of fun with his his uh, Mao Mao, the Catwoman swashbuckler. Um, but um, actually, yeah, kind of earning that up. I'm thinking of starting a campaign around 125, pretty competent. We're going to get past the level one thing, level two thing. These characters will be the equivalent of like third level characters probably in D&D terms. And um, I think I kind of like that, actually. They'll be reasonably okay, but they won't have everything they need to so sort of succeed easily in a dungeon or whatever. So... Now, that could be fun. Anyway, inspired by that, because I was looking through them, and of course, you know, there are templates there that fit each of the archetypal 
uh, templates at 250 points, which are roughly an, an, an analogous to um, classes. Um, but anyway, I, I'm just waffling now. I'm going into work, um, but I'm energised. I'm ready for it. I've got uh, some classes today, and then we're pretty much running into the end of the school year, and uh, woohoo for that. Oh boy, have I got an unboxing for you. Fantastic. Ho, ho, ho. Let's get in here. Um, you're going to love this one, guys. You really are. It's going to be so, so much fun. Fantastic stuff. Ah, crikey. Oh my, what have we got here? An unboxing of all unboxings. Packaging. It's... Oh, ho, 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 sausages! Sausages! Oh, yes, I've been to the German deli. And here we are. Oh, where is this? Oh, my goodness, the German deli. Now, guys, um, I don't know if you know, I was born in Germany, and so I have a great affinity with all things German. And it's like this bubble wrap here. Oh, nice coolie pads, get those. I've got some Rotbratwurst and I've got some original Thuringian Bratwurst. <laughs> Start my summer holiday off on a good slant. And for my missus, because Dad really does love um, a few German treats, we also got a few extra products in this box. So, if I can just get this off. We have here a jar of Sarkosha Premium Quality Stat. Uh, basically, for those who don't speak my terrible German, uh, we're looking at some cherry, uh, sour cherry uh, jam, which she loves. Um, and there's another separate box with a coolie bag. And in there is Marmorakuchen, which is marble cake. This is sort of uh, chocolate and vanilla-y, marble cake thing, and is also gorgeous. So there you go. What an unboxing, eh? Fabuloso. And yep, there's nothing else hidden in there, just the invoice. Ho ho ho, and now I'm hungry. Hello, it's Thursday morning. It's the first official day of the school holidays here in the UK. I have about five or so weeks, five and a half maybe, of no work. Yes! How have I spotted my morning? Well, it's been blisteringly hot. It's been about 30 degrees outside for two or three days now. And at school in the classroom, it's been over near 35 degrees in my room. There's virtually no ventilation. It's a nightmare. So it's good to be home. It's very early in the morning, um, about maybe half six. Deb went to work a while ago. The very first thing I did today is I listened to Shandy Andy's new podcast, Unguarded Treasure, brackets, B52, close brackets. Um, Unguarded Treasure, which is... My mate, Andy, who comes and games with me, has started to share his reminiscences. And you know what? It's just putting in a really good mood first thing in the morning. Um, I really enjoy hearing people talk about their hobby. And um, it was lovely to hear some things that I hadn't heard before. Andy's new-ish to me. We've been gaming together a few months. Um, but it's great to hear him... Uh, you know, open up and share those early reminiscences. So, guys, no, seriously, if you haven't caught um, Shandy Andy's Unguarded Treasure, I do recommend the first episode. Um, and at least, you know, hop on and say hi. So, what am I doing today? I don't know, really. I've got this, I'm torn. I've got this desire partly to go prep my game, really kind of up for getting on with my 
campaign world and stocking it and getting it together. And there's another part of me that knows I've got to start podcasting. And um, yesterday I managed to pull together uh, for the evening um, an initial trailer for season four. Um, and I kind of know what I want to do in the first episode, but it's sitting down and doing it. So I don't know whether to do that today or tomorrow. Um, I'm kind of inclined to do some hobby. But anyway, whatever. I wanted to just grab this moment, this moment at the start of the holiday where I feel, whew, well, tired, but energised. And I just want to thank Andy for starting me off so well. Game on. All right, I'm just setting down to do a little bit of work on the campaign. Um, and what I've decided to do is I've grabbed out my copies of BX Essentials, the Cool Rule book and the Adventures and Treasures book. And yeah, I do know that I've got OSE coming soon, but I don't have the physical books and I wanted the books in front of me. And they're going to be close enough, right? So I've grabbed the Cool Rule book because I want to reference the sequence of play, the dungeon and wilderness sequence of play, as well as the encounter sequence of play. Um, and I also got Adventures and Treasures out because I want to reference the, uh, initially, the kind of building adventures and the encounter tables. So dungeon encounter and wilderness encounter tables. And what I'm going to do is uh, do a comparison, a straight up comparison between Girls Dungeon Fantasy and BX. My goal here is to try and make my Dungeon Fantasy campaign, at least initially, feel quite BXy. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm going to look, just try and use um, it's the game structures I'm trying to mine out, if I can be clear. It's not about the game rules themselves. You know, BX as a series of set of rules is kind of fine. It's fun and easy. Uh, the set, there's multiple systems and, you know, you know me. I like my unified game mechanic, 3D6 roll low from GURPS. But what GURPS doesn't have, um, very few role-playing games have, certainly since sort of 1983 when Beckme was released, um, very few games have game structure stuff. And what I want to do is, I, initially, I just want to kind of draw out the game structure stuff from BX, because that's what I'm trying to emulate in terms of the initial part of my campaign. It's kind of old-school feel. I am then going to go and check in on the Alexandrians website and um, just kind of re-skim through the stuff on game structures. But I think, broadly speaking, I'll have everything I need here. And I'm just going to do myself some crib sheets. So I'm going to kind of do a, you know, if you're in the wilderness, this is how the sequence of play goes. If we're in the dungeon, this is the sequence of play. And I want to try and make those as short as possible. I want to kind of have, yeah, one-page reference for most things. The thing that's going to naturally flow out of that is encounter tables. And that I will go back and I will draw on the stuff from um, Rod Leary's work with Mythos Classic Fantasy. Um, which I was using before uh, with the um, with Castles and Crusades. But again, I want to de-sixify everything. I want to take away from, I want to move away from and get out of the polyhedral dice use because when I'm playing GURPS, I just have a load of D6 on the table and that would be great. So that's what I'm doing. I'm just going to sit and work through that now and see how it comes out. And of course, the process of making crib sheets is a great little tip for helping you to learn stuff as well. So there we go. Let's get on with it. Okay, a successful first step. I've put together a dungeon crawling crib sheet, um, which basically has a 10 minute at a time little process for dungeon crawling, uh, very much based on BX. So, check for wandering NPCs, the party decides on the action to take, adjudicate and describe what happens. If NPCs are encountered, follow the NPC encounter sequence, or otherwise update the time records like light sources, spell durations, and all that. 
and I've got an NPC encounters table, which basically just brings the GURPS rules for surprise onto a quick summary sheet. They're quite cool. Um, and the NPC reaction table, uh, just for potential combat, I've taken that and brought that across as well. Um, really, really good, nice and simple. And that's on one sheet of A4, which is a lovely starting point. The other side of things, the hex crawl, that's going to require some work. I think there's a lot of good stuff in GURPS Dungeon Fantasy 16 Wilderness Adventures. And while I, oh, it's a 60 page book, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to order a print up of that um, over the next few days and then I'm going to read it in detail because before I put together my hex crawl, I really want to be sure I've kind of, well, A, I need to do that because I get the feeling looking at through the PDF that. There's an awful lot of these procedures are there. I think what I might need is a crib sheet to reference stuff. But yeah, there's a lot in Wilderness Adventures, depending on how you want to handle the wilderness and how their players are going about it. I mean, what is nice is there is a distinction between, in the basic sort of stuff, Dungeon Fantasy Book 2 Dungeons, there's a get in there quickly and you can just you know hand wave it a period of time past as you get there, which is okay, fine for probably most groups. Um, but in Wilderness Adventures, there's kind of two primary options. You've got the, they know exactly where they're going and they plan a route from A to B and you work out how long that's going to take and then you can role play and game through how they get there, which is not strictly speaking a hex crawl, but is actually kind of, you know, that journey in detail. And that's probably the set of rules I'll use most of the time, actually. And then there is the exploring the wilderness itself for its its own sake, which is, you know, if you like, the hex crawl-like behaviour. And there's a set of rules for that, or a set of, you know, different approaches for that, which is really cool. So I want to have a good read of all that and get my head around it before I go anywhere else. And so here it comes, the Docs Direct order for a copy of that printed up, because in the end, that's just easier and cheaper and nicer than uh, printing it off my printer. So that's what I'm doing next. And then I'm going to take a break. Right then, fair warning, this next bit is not my finest hour as a GM. If you're one of my players listening to this, uh, please don't take it too personally. I really agonised about just cutting this out and not putting it in at all, but I don't think that would be very honest of me. And in the interest of, I don't know, insight to people who are outside of my circle of gaming, I still feel that there's some valuable stuff in here. It's just, I was not in a good mood. And so, you know, feel free to skip by. One bonus thing, though. Today, Wilderness Adventures Dungeon Fantasy 16 has arrived. It's Friday night. And, yeah, that was good. So I'm going to be reading that. Anyway, back to the miserable bit. Enjoy. GURPS Dungeon Fantasy Booklet 1 Adventurers Page 3 Dungeon Fantasy Glossary Entry Munchkin 1. A PC designed to be good at hack and slash, typically by optimising his abilities, collecting powerful treasures, and neglecting such time-wasting pursuits as having hobbies besides looting and friends who aren't munchkins. 2. The player of such a character. 3. Munchkin, the award-winning Dungeon Fantasy card game from SJ Games. So it's Friday morning and I had that particular definition in mind when I read something last night on a MeWe from one of my players. 
And I know that this is going to sound critical, I guess, but I'm not intending it in that way. I just kind of noticed that there is a definite difference in playstyle between me and two of my players and one of the other players. And that's not a bad thing, but it is a thing that as a GM I've got to like wrestle with and deal with. Now, here's my um, here's my evidence. Yesterday I kind of went uh, onto Mewe, into Webster's Hobby Room, and I asked a question, what character point value would you personally prefer to begin with? In other words, what power level do you fancy? And the choices, there were four. The default Dungeon Fantasy 250 points, which is equivalent of D&D sort of 5th to 8th. Halfway, 125 points. Um, I put in an option OSR, 75 points, using the lower point um, templates and adding a few spare points, or low, 67 points, which is, of course, a quarter of the default. Three votes, because there's three players and I didn't vote. I got one vote for OSR, 75, one vote for halfway, and one vote for 250. The player who voted 250, I'd rather go high, as we would be able to do something to start with. If advancement was to be more than norm, then 125 would be fine. At least you could move the character in a new direction over time. But if it's two to three points each session, it will take 10 sessions to earn 20 to 30 points and get it on for six months. As we tend to play for three to five months and then change, we never get anywhere or gain anything. Any funds we get spent on living expenses or repairing items, so never seemingly moving on or advancing. I want to play for years, and if PCs die, fine, but they need to feel that being an adventurer makes financial sense for the risk. <laughs> I... Initially, it's uh, given that it was the middle of the night, about two in the morning or something, when I read this, and uh, yesterday was the hottest day in the UK for a very long while, the hottest July day ever, and it was something like 28 degrees in my house, I wasn't sleeping, it was very easy to become angry, um, actually, at reading this. But um, then I, I got to think, and I know this player, I know this guy, I've known um, this guy for like 20 years, he's a good guy. Um, but he is a munchkin, and I said so. <laughs> uh, spoken like a true munchkin. I'd like to take apart those comments to some degree. Uh, for starters, you don't need high points to, quote, be able to do something, end quote. Uh, in a role-playing game, you can do whatever you want. Obviously, low power for me, um, that just means that if you're trying something dangerous, you're at higher risk. Higher power means you don't have the risk. You get a reward, but with less risk. And for me, personally, uh, high power games, uh, like Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition, for example, become dull, because there's nothing the heroes can't do. That being said, you know, personally, I'd set things somewhere in the middle, the dials somewhere in the middle, because I like the idea of there being an emergent story. And I know that two of my other players at the table are really into the idea of an emergent story too. So, you know, <laughs> I had to laugh. And then this kind of thing about, um, you know, we're never going to get anywhere, we don't play. Um, recently, um, you know, we're playing fortnightly games. I have no issue moving that up to weekly game if that's what players wanted. It's just that they tell me they can't do that. And by the way, I'm the one who can play all summer. And the rest of the guys are the ones who are away. So, first of all, availability is not my problem. 
availability is very much in the hands of my players. And I don't say that, you know, as a criticism, just as a general observation, because frankly, whinging on about never being there, well, you know, <laughs> it's not just me, let's put it that way. The idea that we only tend to play for a few little while, actually three five months is pretty generous, uh, did um, three five sessions would be lucky. Um, but actually, you know, I'm committing myself to no change. And um, frankly, I know that I don't have that background in history, so I completely get that you'd be cynical. Uh, and I get that, you know, that's the flaky GM in me. But hey, that's what I'm intending to do. Um, of course, you know, one of the things that kills campaigns just as much as me flaking out is players flaking out, not turning up. So again, we're back to the show up and play. The more you show up and play, the more points you're going to get. Um, and I have to say, the other thing, Dungeon Fantasy 3, the next level, page 42, advancement. Um, yeah, I am going to introduce the training expenses stuff because that's fun. It gets rid of this problem I have with lots of treasure. Um but battles, you can be picking up, if you're fighting a boss monster, two points just for that. Uh, worthy monsters equal to the PCs, a point every single battle. Hordes of monsters give you an extra plus one. Pie members killed is a negative, but there you go. Then impressive feats, non-combative challenges. There's one, two, three, four, five different ways in which you can pick up uh, key bonus points there. Okay, And in addition to that, you've got you know, quest items and bonus areas, uh, you know, I, I'm going to use those. I'm going to, if you find something that's hidden away, I'm going to give you bonus points for that. And then there's obviously adventure completion. It says adventures ends, everyone gets five points if you return to town with enough loot to pay off any sponsor, rest for a week, 150 a week, um, and recharge all power items completely. Um, and adjust it as follows. If you did, you clear the dungeon, you get a bonus. Dead PCs are a, pe a penalty. Insufficient loot to meet your needs, well, you know, left, leaving the dungeon less than half explored, needing divine intervention and recovering a quest item, uh, they all give modifiers. Three of them give a negative. Getting the quest item gives you a positive. If you were to do those things, you know, five plus whatever's in fights, it's going to be a heck of a lot more than two to three points. So I would suggest more like ten points, probably, if you're really playing well and you're playing together. So, hmm, I can tell that... <clears throat> He hasn't necessarily grasped how this game's to be played, but that's all right, I guess. These are the arguments of the power gamer, aren't they? These are the arguments of the person who wants us to start with a high power level because that suits their taste and style. And that's kind of okay. I have no issue with that, except that it's not my style. And it's certainly, I'm not a Monty Hall GM. Yes, I'm tight ass GM. <laughs> um, and I need to change that. And that's why I'm going to GURPS Dungeon Fantasy 2 Dungeons. And I'm using the guidance there. And also, um, there's a booklet, I think it's maybe um, in the teens somewhere, on treasure tables. And I'm going to be using the guidance in there as well. And you know what? kind of is helpful to have this kind of guidance, this kind of sense of what would make it fun. So, what am I saying? Well, I guess there is a play style mismatch going on and I've got to manage a power gamer that's always difficult um, I've got to make sure he gets some good fights and I've got to make sure he gets to get his key powers off um, and I've got to make sure he gets some treasure 
Uh, on the other side, though, I've got some guys who want to get into the emergent play. One of the other comments was um, this one, which I I always think is I thought this is really interesting. The player who wanted the very lowest kind of point starting value. I always prefer to start at the beginning, but I can compromise on the next level up 125. I'd need to be convinced about 250. Seems like a lot of the interesting stuff is being bypassed if we jump that high. That's an interesting comment. This idea that earning your power, earning your stripes, get developing your character over time, that is the interesting stuff. And personally, I tend to agree with that. So, I don't know. I hope I haven't offended my players. I hope I don't lose anybody just because I say this out loud. But this is the GM's journal. And I am supposed to share, I think, my thinking process and my thoughts and my feelings. And as an introvert, it's really easy for me to bottle all this stuff up and kind of not say it. So I think we're going to start with the 125 midpoint option, which allows for some emergent play and some development over time. But I'm going to ask the players to understand that, A, we're not going to be you know, tight-arsed about treasure, terribly tight-arsed. It's not going to be a uber generous. If you get a reward, it's going to have to be earned. You know, don't get me wrong. But we're not going to be tight about it. And secondly, you know, character point development, I'm going to take the guidance from the genre because... This is, I think in a lot of ways, I'm too serious about my fantasy. And there is this wonderful other quotation from Dungeon Fantasy Booklet 1, Adventurers, on page 3. It says, Be warned that Dungeon Fantasy Adventurers shamelessly cuts corners and makes assumptions. It's a guide to making two-dimensional heroes from a non-culture and pillages history and fantasy novels at random for powerful equipment and mythology. Use it in a serious fantasy campaign at your peril. And I think that's the thing. I am not wanting to play a terribly serious game. I am wanting to play a game that has some very similitude to it and has a sense of, um, I don't know, interesting, intriguing kind of characters and places and stuff to do. But yeah, it is going to be pretty, pretty punchy, high-octane, pulpy stuff because that's what I want. And the fantasy element of it, remember, is the beginning. You know, there's going to be some other weird shit and there's going to be some sci-fi and it's all going to get mashed up because that's the way I'm rolling. And I think that's about all I've got to say on that. All right, it's Friday afternoon. I'm shattered. I think the late, um, well, non-sleeping, <laughs> uh, I was say late night, but the non-sleeping last night really has kind of finally got to me. But hey. Done a little bit today. I did leap on Dungeon Fog, which is um, a web-based uh, dungeon mapping software thing, a useful app. I leapt on there today and I rebuilt one of my dungeon maps. Um, and yeah, it's okay actually. It was it was a useful tool, kind of easy to build stuff once you kind of figured out um, the basics of it. I'm not sure um, whether I'd use it a lot or not, so I kind of. I don't know. Um, it's one of those subscriptions service things, you know, like you can get a basic free kind of access to it to fiddle around with. But, um, you know, the really good content is uh, behind a paywall. So it's a subscription thing. And I'm not sure I want to subscribe. Is it £5-ish a month? Um, yeah, but, you know, it's all right. It's, it's nice to sort of output a map of the location, which I can... Stat up. My intention today was to stat up the old dungeon, really, but I'm just so tired and cheesed off. 
Why am I cheesed off? Um, I'm cheesed off because of the negativity that's coming from, well, really, one of my players. Um, I kind of like... Uh, it's it's like it's mood hoovering. It's like taking all the joy out of what I'm doing by complaining about what the game in the past has never been. And it's kind of stopping me from wanting to make the game better. Um, which is, I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's a problem for me. Um, I kind of realise that if people are negative with me, it takes the energy out of what I want to do and it makes me want to sit on my ass and watch Netflix all day. If you want me to create, you have to encourage me. And um, you have to get alongside me and work with me on it because uh, standing on the sideline telling me how much better your game could be when you haven't made one just pisses me off. But hey, maybe it's just because I'm tired. I'm feeling grumpy. And yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But that's how I'm feeling. Oh, I don't know what it is, but I really do enjoy making characters. Um, this afternoon, I got a sat down with uh, GURPS. And I made a 125-point character. I made an archer, actually. I used the arch template from uh, Hinchman. And it's kind of cool, actually. Um, so this guy has a bow skill. Um, he has, also has the heroic archer ability. And he has fast draw arrow. And I'm liking the fact that with um, his bow skill at 16, he can... In a single round, roll 15 or less to draw an arrow, fast draw. I think that's around about 95% um, chance of success on 3d6. And then he can roll against his bow skill at minus 3, that's a 13, which I believe is about an 83% chance on 3d6. And if he pulls that off, he can take an instant shot at minus 3. So, you know, his base starting shot is at 83%. Now, obviously, you can have targets at range, so that's going to reduce down. But this guy is going to be able to fire every second, pretty much every combat. And if he's not at too extreme range, let's be honest, if we're in a dungeon, you know, this guy is probably uh, shooting at relatively close range, and the penalty is going to be minimal. So he's probably got a good 60 70% chance of hitting stuff. I would say that's pretty good going for a starting character. His backup skill is short sword. Um, not so great there, but nonetheless, I think a sort of 12 or 13 skill. I mean, I don't understand how these kind of 125 point characters are in any way bad. They're pretty heroic, actually. They're pretty cool. Yes, they are not the full on 250 point. Um, optimized for everything characters that can take on pretty much anything but they are kind of cool and i like it ethered is a nicely nuanced character a nicely um 
kind of balanced out. It's got what he needs. I've run it, given him a few quirks and a few interesting bits and pieces. I mean, like he's got a mimicry bird calls and he's terrible at it, eight or less. But I just kind of thought, you know, for the sake of a, a character point, bought off a quirk, you know, it gives him that little bit of a, you know, flavor really. Um, I, I enjoyed making it and it's really cheered me up and uh, makes me want to sort of sit down and work again, which is a good thing. I don't know what I'm going to do tonight, but I'm kind of tempted to uh, roll some dice and have some fun. I'm on my own. But hey, I wanted to let you know that I sort of cheered myself up, really. And as always, it's coming back to the hobby, doing what I like. And I just kind of want to, you know, have fun. Play games, roll dice. <laughs> Is that too much to ask? That's it for another episode. All that's left to wish you is a fond farewell and all the best at your gaming table. My name is Che Webster and this has been a Roleplay Rescue Game Master's Journal episode. See you again next week. Game on. Game on.